Hey everyone, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Today we take a look at the differences between the North American and European wagering markets, what new technology may be on the horizon going forward, and the metaverse, Web3. What will betting look like there? We talk to CEO of the sporting group, Andy Wright, to get some answers. It's Ryan Doyle with you from TDR's Guaranteed Money as we continue to look at the very hot sports wagering landscape from all angles. Uh, very pleased to welcome in Andy Wright. He joins us. He's the CEO of The Sporting Group, one of the world's leading names in sports betting technology and trading. Andy, good to have you. Nice to be here, Ryan. Uh, let's talk a little bit about The Sporting Group for those who don't know, because I, I often love to talk about the the companies behind the scenes, the ones that really do drive the engine or create the engine that a lot of these brand names uh, use. What does your company do and why has it become such a leader in the space? Yeah, we we specialize in trading and risk management. Um, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but sporting indexes, 30 years old. And the Sporting Index is quite a, a niche product and a B2C brand that started in 1992. And many people talk about uh, in-play betting when Bet365 came onto the market around about 2005. We were offering in-play betting back in 1992 and really changed the market in terms of how we ingested data analytics, uh, pricing algorithms, machine learning, even back then. And it's uh, that expertise that we took into the B2B market in 2007 by setting up Sporting Solutions, and we now offer our trading and risk management expertise to the global market. When it comes to that end of things, anticipating the challenges that are about to come is a big part of, of what you guys do. You talk about the word risk. I know it comes up a lot uh, in your world and in your circles. What does that involve, and how hard is it to anticipate those challenges? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a very fast-moving uh, and dynamic market, that's for sure. Risk management, I, I see it as, as, as two elements, really. You see risk management in terms of managing the liabilities and, and the different customer preferences that any jurisdiction might have that might be passed down by the regulator or just customer behaviours. Certain pricing models might suit uh, Ontario. Those pricing models might be different elsewhere around the globe. The second element of risk is what I see is risk with a capital R, and that's integrity services. That's making sure that you manage risk and compliance, and that is obviously underpinned by trading expertise and how you monitor and segment customers. When you talk about Ontario, let, let's get right into it because you've had obviously a, a lot of success when it comes to your parent company, FDJ, and the uh, the launch of Proline Plus in Ontario, Canada. Uh, is there a difference when it comes to something that is run by the government, like the, the Proline product, like the OLG product uh, in Ontario versus the private sector when it comes to what you guys do? That's a great question, Ryan. Um, I've got to tread carefully here. Um, obviously, <laughs> lottery operators, at, at, at the, the, very, um, the very height of their priorities is integrity and responsible gambling. Now, obviously, coming from the grey market, um, you see certain operators that have to comply to regulations, uh, but they're used to managing their business outside of that regulation. Obviously, with our partnership and our ownership by FDJ, um, FDJ is a huge operator, a lottery operator itself. It has encountered the challenges that a lot of lot lottery operators are, are seeing moving into a more dynamic environment as the market regulates. So it's really integrity services and responsible gambling 
Um, that, that, that's what we see as what we can bring uh, to the lottery operators. And on Ontario, they are rightly proud of uh, their emphasis on responsible gambling and, and how we can help them with that. Uh, expansion has obviously been massive over the last little while, North America, specifically mm. the United States and Canada standing out. How big do you see this industry getting in those markets? I want to tap into some of the experience you've got over multiple decades. I'm, I don't want to age you on this, but you've got a lot of wisdom here. How big how big do you think this is going to get? Yeah, I'm older than I look, Ryan. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me that. Um, look, I think the the North American market is obviously huge, but it's it's fast it's fast evolving, and it's very um, it's very different from how the rest of the the globe has matured. I think the the mistake that a lot of European operators with their B two C brands come over to the US and they try and treat it more as a cookie cutter approach. You know what what worked in in Europe and elsewhere in the globe is going to work in Canada and going to work in the US. We we see things as slightly differently. I think the the US and Canadian market is um, incredibly sophisticated, um, and and that's because. Uh, the customers have always had that content rich and, and and obsession with data that we're already seeing now, even in in the grey market and with fantasy sports as well. You know how they looked at sports statistics and how that informed their decisions. Um, we think that that and we we rightly do see that all, already evolving into the regulated market. How big will it come? Look, Ontario is is the epicenter of sports betting at the moment. I mean, over over thirty licenses and many more pending. In that, that's huge and going to going to create an even more dynamic market. I, I think that the market will slightly change. I think responsible gambling will become more of an emphasis. I think we've seen the gold rush, probably more so in the US, in terms of how they acquire customers through thousand yeah, dollar bonus bet promotions you, you won't see that um, I think in, in the future and the regulator will take a more um, a more closer view and control over uh, some of the activities that the B2C brands are rolling out but I think that the Ontario market I think the regulator's done a fantastic job I think that um, it's continued uh, to evolve is continuing to be uh, competitive. You know, even as we see, was April the fourth, it was regulated, and I think that there is uh, market share to be had, um, and the ones that will win will definitely be the ones that are customer obsessed. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned that because I mean, you, you talk about the the front end and what customers want, and making you know those sort of anticipations as to what customers want. And I love the fact you broke it down. You know, Ontario is a lot different than somebody who's in Manchester and somebody who's in Asia. Uh, that can be tricky for a lot of these outlets. You know, especially when you mentioned the idea of the cookie cutter approach, the idea that you think you can just come in and do what you did. You've got to be very sensitive to that type of thing. Oh, 100%. I think that the Canadian market, they're, they're very loyal to their um, to their athletes and to their teams, quite tribal, in fact. And I think that, that that's great. I, I love some of the work that uh, other operators are doing by affiliating themselves with um, certain brands and certain um, organizations. But the OLG are doing that as well with the NHL and, and NFL. And I think that how you tap into that as a Canadian operator will, will, will determine your success. I think if I look at the UK market, you find the customers there, 
uh, quite promiscuous in terms of the operators that they use and also their betting activity. You don't see that so much early stages in Canada. I think they're quite loyal to the brands that they pick. They're quite loyal to the operators that they choose. But definitely, I don't see that changing anytime soon. The Toronto Raptors will always be a big loss for us, as will the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Very true. And as a Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, I, I will echo those statements 100%. You nailed the right team there. Uh, let's take a look at um, from a tech point of view, because I'm always interested as to what's next. And I'm, obviously, you've got your finger on the pulse of all of this. What advances on the tech side of, of wagering has have stood out to you over the last little while? And where might we be headed? I think the kicker that, um, that the North American Canadian market uh, has shown uh, European operators is, is player props. Player props is just uh, it's just a huge success, and, and um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that player props will continue to develop. In-play player props is something that we um, will be providing OLG in the near future, and I, I think that that will just grow and grow and grow. I think the Bet Builder products are also um, very exciting, and how we see those evolve in time uh, will be important. But from our perspective, um, it's retail and how retail evolves and develops. Um, obviously, the amount of retail outlets, over 10,000 that, that OLG have in, in Ontario, it's a huge focus in terms of how we leverage that physical footprint. Um, now, people use retail for, for a number of reasons, for, for convenience or for, for um, the like of, of cash uh, rather than transacting digitally. Now, how, how do we leverage that? I think that it's always retail is always slower to evolve. Um, but we, we look at it from our ownership at FDJ very similar to how um, the market liber liberated in France and and how we overcome some of the challenges that our retail network experienced uh, back in 2012. Um, and I think it will be very similar to that, how we can help the retail customer, how we can help the retailers um, by engaging with their customers and coming up with new products. Um, I, I hate using the phrase omni-channel because it, it, it kind of it doesn't really describe um, exactly what it is. But I think that what you'll find in retail is it will be digitally led in the future and how we map ourselves through that evolution is going to be very important for us. Could you see a day where you maybe have kiosks in retail outlets, maybe making it easier on the, the user end of things? I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out. I, th I think that what you'll find is as the demographic evolves in retail, I think that they will still be obsessed with their digital device and how they transact on their digital device in retail. That, that will be interesting to see how you can unlock that. I've seen that happen in Australia where you have a, a, a digital customer. As soon as they walk into a retail outlet, they go into retail mode or venue mode and they're incentivized to stay into that, that retail outlet. Now, I understand that the physical footprint is a little bit different in, um, in Ontario, but uh, I think what you'll find is that people will still interact with their digital device as, digital device, as well as um, still continue to um, transact in cash as well. You mentioned player props. You know, I obviously point to the the role social media has played in player props because you see them everywhere. They're all over Instagram. They're all over TikTok. In your mind, how much mm. does that factor into the the player's enjoyment when it comes to player props? I think player props. I, I look at player props um, 
in terms of the difference with the, the, the North American market is at times they, they like to follow the athletes. Uh, they're not obsessed by Manchester United. They're not obsessed by um, uh, Liverpool. They're mm. obsessed by maybe LeBron James or, or, or maybe another athlete and, and how they can um, interact with the game by being focused on their favourite player is, is very important. Um, I think that will continue. It's going to be fascinating to see how that how that evolves and how you can make sure that you link those products into other elements and other evolutions that you, you've got on your roadmap. And I think that that is introducing a new demographic to, to betting and um, how we harness that is going to be very important for us in the future. I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of your meetings to have these kind of discussions mm-hmm. and to kind of, you know, I guess, understand player behavior wait, you know, from a wagering point of view, from a sort of, I guess, you think about the psychology of it all. It really comes down to that, doesn't it? That's part of the job that you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that um, we're looking at a new piece of innovation in terms of taking player stats to another level. Um, and we'll be looking at partnering with one of the main data providers in the world that, that looks at how many kilometres uh, a player might travel over a given event, you know, how many shots on target, shots off target, how we segment that down into uh, entertainment uh, in terms of ensuring that the, the customer watches the game for a longer length of time. And that's what it is, is about. It's about engagement. Um, and, you know, being able to, to break an event down into so many different um, propositions uh, for a customer you know, that's, that's the key battleground for, for all the operators at the moment. It's not just a matter of having a pre-event bet and sitting back and enjoying the length of the game. You know, you might see a complete blowout um, in, in the first quarter and, and your bet's dead. How can you uh, keep a customer engaged, keep the, your, your digital offering sticky enough for them to continue to play throughout the event? How many conversations have you had about what's next when it comes to Web3, when it comes to the metaverse, when it comes to what wagering looks like in, in that world and in that landscape? Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a question that's asked at a number of panels and a number of conferences that, that, I, that I go to. Um, I think the market um, is incredibly exciting and we're all very fortunate to be uh, working in this environment and challenging ourselves. And that's what a competitive market does, whether it's over 30 operators or, or uh, you know, just 10 operators. That competitive dynamic just forces you to continue to innovate and continue to question where the market is going to go next. Why? What I see is in Europe, and I think I can say this on on your show, I think the market stagnated and, and to keep – to keep us engaged as uh, as B2B providers, we needed something like the, the market evolving as it is over the Atlantic. It really gives us a kicker in terms of, right, we've got to wake up and we've got to dust ourselves down and we've got to make sure that we continue to engage with the customers. And the younger demographic, you know, incredibly, in, in, you know, incredibly demanding in terms of new innovation. And that's what we need to keep pace with. Andy Wright, CEO of The Sporting Group. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.